right, here we go again. The more strange stories that I preach on in the Bible, the more I find. Um, I think we could do this series again next summer and not hit any repeats. Uh, there are a lot of strange things in, uh, in the Bible. Um, and, and I hope that you've had fun, like I've had fun, kind of making sense out of some of these stranger things in the Bible. Uh, last week we saw the prophet Elisha as he healed Naaman, the commander of the Aramean army, and uh, he told him to go and wash in the Jordan River. Uh, if you remember that, if you don't remember that, uh, then either you weren't here or you tried to log in online and the Wi-Fi disconnected. And we're sorry about that, and we're working on it. Uh, we've, uh, we've had some people here this week, and if it cuts out again, I'm going to apologize in advance and make a very stern phone call tomorrow. So uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's where we're at with that. But um, uh, today's story also involves... The the prophet Elisha and the Aramean army. Um, you need to know uh, a little bit about Elisha as we as we walk through this. Elisha had uh, had quite a reputation. He was a prophet. He was kind of a recluse, kind of off on his own, lived life uh, kind of on his own. He he had been a, a protege of the great prophet Elijah, uh, and Elijah was taken to heaven in a fiery chariot. One of just a couple of people in scripture that, that 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 didn't die, that just went straight to heaven. So this fiery chariot came down, and Elijah went up, and and, uh, and scripture says at that point that Elisha was Elijah's protege, and and uh, Elijah or Elisha received um, what the Bible calls a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And so then Elisha just stepped into Elijah's role and, uh, and continued to serve God as he served the people of Israel. Elisha uh, was known for performing miracles, uh, things that com- went completely against the, against the laws of nature. He healed people like we saw last week with Naaman uh, and, and uh, leprosy, go and wash in the Jordan. He came up seventh time and, and he was, uh, he was uh, uh, cleansed. Uh, he made, Elisha at one point made food expand and, and last when there was hardly any to start with and yet they, uh, they just kept pouring and, and the oil kept coming out and they, they kept being able to make, and, and, and Elisha enabled that to happen. God did through Elisha. There's a story of an, of an axe head. Some of the prophets got together and they were building this deal and, and, uh, and the axe head came off the handle and went in the river and uh, they had borrowed the axe. I guess prophets don't usually own axes so they had gone to one of their lumberjack friends and, and borrowed a uh, an axe. Anyway, the, the head went in the river. Uh, they're kind of, uh, uh, they went over to Elisha and said, what are we going to do? And he, Elisha literally uh, uh, went to the spot and uh, made the axe head, that heavy axe head float so that uh, they could get that back and continue on. Uh, it's, uh, believe it or not, it's in there. Second uh, Kings uh, 6. Um, he, uh, he even, Elisha even raised a young man from the dead. Uh, I mean, over and over again, Elisha, uh, was, uh, was, was doing these miraculous things. But not on his own, of course. Uh, he was just closely connected to God. He was listening to God, obeying what God directed him to do, and God used him to do amazing things. So, uh, a while after uh, Naaman was healed, the Aramean army began to launch more attacks on Israel. I don't know if there was a, it doesn't say whether there's a new king in, in town, or uh, we, we kind of can assume that Naaman had retired and moved on by that point. He wasn't the one attacking, but uh, uh, the, the, so the, the, the Aramean army is attacking uh, the, the Israelites, and uh, Elisha literally is single-handedly foiling their plans. We, we start reading it in 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 8. It says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God, that's Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. 
So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And we're going to pause right there. We'll get back to the story in just a second. So Elisha is advising the king of Israel, helping out uh, uh, against this, this pesky invading army. The king of Aram made plans to attack the Israelites. Elisha would get a word from God and tell the Israelite king, and they'd avoid uh, the, the invading armies. They'd thwart their plans, and the Arameans figured out that it's Elisha. And, uh, and so the king gives word to take him out, or at least capture him. So one night they have good intelligence where Elisha is and so a contingent of the army uh, uh, sneaks in and surrounds the city, right? And it says horses and chariots and a strong force. They're surrounding the city where Elisha is staying. I, I guess maybe we could picture SEAL Team 6 descending on Osama bin Laden's stronghold in the middle of the night. Only probably a stronger, bigger force and probably not with night vision goggles and machine guns and stuff. They probably didn't have those. But uh, this, this was a big, Elisha was not getting out of this one. He's completely surrounded. Well, the invading army waits until morning, and as the sun rises, Elisha's servant uh, gets up and, and goes outside. And back in those days, I think you're aware, there was no indoor plumbing. So that's what you did. First thing in the morning, you'd get up and you'd go out, you'd go outside right so that's just what I, I think that's staying true to the text but uh so I, I picture this guy he gets up and and he's groggily stumbling outside maybe heading to the outhouse whatever and and halfway there he freezes as he realizes that he's not alone right and he looks up and he looks around and he can see on the hills around him there are horses and chariots and soldiers and maybe he didn't need the outhouse anymore after he, uh, he saw all that. I don't, maybe I'm reading into that a little bit. But so he sees this vast army around him and, and he's in this desperate situation and, and he can't see a solution that doesn't involve being captured and maybe killed, right? This was not going to end well. So I see him turning slowly around, right, and maybe scampering back inside. To the, uh, Elisha, you need to get out here. Do you know what's going on out here? Uh, scripture says his exact words were, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Have you ever felt surrounded? I mean, we see it in the movies all the time, right? Uh, the, the SWAT team moves in and the bad guys are holed up somewhere and they announce over a megaphone, we have you surrounded, right? Uh, being surrounded means there's, there's no way out. That, that whatever you had planned, however you thought this was going to go, now that's changed. Because there's another force that's moved in and there's no getting out of this one. Surrounded usually means game over. I don't know if you've ever felt surrounded before. I'm guessing we've all felt that to an extent. 
Maybe it's, a, uh, maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe all this COVID stuff just feels oppressive and, and you felt surrounded by all the things that are going on. Right? Maybe it's grief and loss like we talked about uh, with, uh, in, in gearing up for the, the, uh, the, the, the group this fall. And that, that grief just has you surrounded and you feel like there's no way out. Maybe it's financial issues or, or it's uh, depression and anxiety or, or maybe it's a, a prodigal child who, who you've been praying for and you hope that they, and you're praying and you're, oh, but they, and mm, it's just this thing that's just always there and you're not quite, it's not getting any better and maybe it's conflict in relationships or, or all of the political and social upheaval and maybe it's natural disasters that we, I mean, right now there's a hurricane hitting the, 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 the coast and, and, and I mean, for, for Christians in Afghanistan right now, other places all the time, literally an enemy force that wants to take, they were literally surrounded, some of them. I mean, we could go on and on and on about times and places and problems that we feel like we're surrounded by. And many times, uh, it, it just feels like there's no way out. We're just biding our times until it takes us out. And much like Elisha's servant, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? I don't know what to do. I'm surrounded and there's no way out. And, and that's, a, that's a despairing response that's a response of fear right when usually when the bottom falls out when everything goes sideways we're we're afraid about how it's all going to play out we we don't know what's going to happen uh how it's going to change our lives and, and and it feels awful and and we're afraid and that fear is many times followed by giving up or giving in and so for for the man of god elisha this was a teaching moment as he poured into his servant Elisha wasn't worried and he helped his servant to see why he wasn't worried so we're going to pick it pick up the 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 story again starting in verse 16 second kings chapter 6 Elisha says uh there it starts with don't be afraid the prophet answered those who are with us are more than those who are with them and Elisha prayed open his eyes Lord so that he may see Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the, uh, the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? No, don't kill them, uh, Elisha said. Would you kill those who have captured, you have captured with your sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they can eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Whew, pretty cool story. I mean, this is where it gets good, right? The servant uh, sees the enemy. Uh, he's, uh, they're all surrounding. He cries out in desperation to Elisha and runs back inside. And then I picture Elisha maybe just kind of sauntering toward the doorway. His coffee mug is in his hand. He's been up for a while. He already knows what's going on, right? Maybe he leans casually on the doorframe and he says, don't be afraid. And then maybe takes a long pull from that, uh, from that coffee 
And then he says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so then I see that servant (laughs) probably looks at Elisha and he looks at himself. There's two of us. And then he looks back out the door at the, all the surrounding hillside. And there's too many even count. Probably felt like his boss had, had finally lost it, right? And uh, Elisha certainly saw the doubt and fear in, the, in his servant's eyes because he prayed probably with a little smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye. He says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And Elisha then turned up the volume on his Spotify account Go ahead, hit it, Tim. I think this is how it happened. As he talked to his servant, the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. Right? Yeah? Yeah? You got it? Yeah. All right, you can, t- you can tune it out there, Tim. That's good. That was, yeah, anyway. I see. See? Chariots of fire, but this wasn't this wasn't an epic movie. Uh, there's no, uh, uh, there, there, it's not the Olympics. They're not running on the beach. All the, you know, whatever. If you haven't seen the movie, dial it in. I think it still holds up. But uh, 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 chari- there are literally chariots of fire all around them. Heaven's army was surrounding the Aramean army that was surrounding Elisha and his servants. Those who were with them were, were with Elisha and his servant were more than those who were with the enemy. So God gave the, 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 that servant a glimpse of something that, that not too many people get to see, but that I think we all need to be aware of all the time. That servant, although he couldn't see it, there were more on his side than on the enemy's side, that there were things, here's, here's the thing, there were things happening in the supernatural realm that were definitely going to impact what was happening in the physical realm, in the physical world, Right? In other words, despite how things looked, God had everything under control. Despite how everything looked, God had everything under control. And maybe you need to hear that today. Despite how it looks, God has everything under control. You can trust him. John Wesley says, Things eternal are much more considerable than things temporal. And things not seen are as certain as the things that are seen. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, uh, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The equivalent uh, is shared by Jesus in in John chapter 16, verse 33, as he spoke in the upper room uh, on that night he was betrayed. uh, He says it this way, here on earth, he tells his disciples gathered around that, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And we can say yes and amen to that, but you know what? Sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Sometimes it doesn't look that way. It looks like I'm surrounded, right? 
But, but what was true for Elisha and his servant, bunkered in that little town that night, was, was also true for the disciples on the night that Jesus was betrayed, and it's also true for us today. Looks can be deceiving as God, we need to ask God to open our eyes to what he is doing because he has everything under control. Now, I don't want you to think that that means uh, trust God because he's always going to take out the army. Jesus didn't promise that the trials and sorrows would disappear. He said that we could trust him and take heart even as his disciples experienced those trials and sorrows. Uh, basically, I guess he's saying the trials and sorrows don't have the final say, right? But let's think about uh, Jesus as he had this conversation with his disciples in, in John chapter 16. Uh, Less than 24 hours after uttering these worlds. In this world, you have trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Less than 24 hours later, Jesus' lifeless body was laying in a sealed tomb. Okay? Uh, uh, Trials and sorrows. It didn't seem like he had everything under control. It was devastating. They were surrounded. Oh no, what shall we do? But those circumstances that they could see did not have the final say. By Sunday morning, Jesus was alive and the tomb was empty, right? Realizing that God has everything under control doesn't necessarily mean that the problems will disappear uh, in in the moment that you want them to in the way that you want them to. It simply means that we can look at those problems from God's perspective and know that he is working even when we don't see him work. I think there's a song about that somewhere. And you might say, yeah, pastor, I mean, sometimes it doesn't get any better. Sometimes it feels like things aren't working. It just feels like God's not doing anything. To which I think Elisha would say, open their eyes so that they may see. And Jesus would say, take heart. Because looking at life from a supernatural, eternal perspective uh, means that it's just that, an eternal perspective. I mean... Our life on this earth doesn't end our life with God, right? It's an eternal perspective. I heard one preacher say this week, don't tempt me with heaven, he said. You're coming at me and you're saying you're going to get me and okay, well, great. Then to live is Christ and to die is gain, the apostle Paul said. When God opens your eyes, you start seeing life from his perspective and you realize that even physical death no longer has a hold on you, right? When my dad got sick over eight years ago, we prayed. We prayed for healing. We prayed for his surgery. We prayed for his treatments. We prayed for his medications uh, to work, all of those things. And surgery seemed to make things worse, and, and rehab didn't improve things much, and, and medications didn't seem to be effective. To steal a phrase from scripture, instead of getting better, he grew worse. And just a, a little while after the final diagnosis that the, uh, this stuff is working and, and they, they, uh, they, he entered into hospice care, eight days later, he was gone. But, but not gone, right? Not gone. Not gone. Eight days later, he was in heaven. <laughs> and scripture says that, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the... I don't know how all that works logistically, but I know that just because my dad wasn't healed in this life doesn't mean that God is any less God or that God didn't care. 
or that I wasn't surrounded by him. Uh, we, we could still take heart. I, we walked through that constantly taking heart, even in the face of death, because Jesus has already indeed overcome the world. And we have an eternal perspective. Sometimes the, the, the circumstances we can see don't change all that much. But when the Spirit opens our eyes, we realize that as we face those challenges, we are not alone. Those who are with us, <laughs> he who is with us is so much more. God is surrounding us. I mean, it's easy to, to, to read this cool story in the Bible with chariots of fire and, and, and Star Wars tricks. Did you catch that? Uh, this is not the town you are looking for. This is not the town we are looking for. I am not the prophet that you, I am not the prophet that you, you are. And they led them straight to the capital city and the king was going to, anyway, all this stuff. I mean, it, it's a cool story. It's great. I mean, okay, whatever. But we need to have our spiritual eyes open. Okay, pastor, great. How does that happen? What does it really mean to have our spiritual eyes opened? Well, it's the same for us as it was for Elisha. We maintain a close connection with God. Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 and 7, I think, spells it out. Uh, I come back to this, this uh, passage all the time. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer is the, uh, is the connection that gets rid of our anxiety and fear about thing, how things are going to turn out and instead floods us with peace. That, that even though there is every indication that all is lost, we still have peace to know that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I... We say that, do you know that? I didn't say, do you understand that? This says this peace passes understanding. We don't understand it, but we can still experience it. Do you know that God is with you? Do you know that God is for you? Because sometimes it seems like you're surrounded and it's hard to see that God is still with us and for us. And so we have to fight <laughs> to stay connected with him. We, we need to talk to him. We need to listen to him. We need to spend time with him. We need to think about spiritual things. We need to do what he asks. We need to obey at every turn. We need to commit our lives to following him. And as we commit ourselves to him, we recognize that he does indeed uh, have everything under control, under control as we stay connected. Yeah. The strength of your connection with God will determine your perspective and your peace. When things go sideways, when, when it looks like you're surrounded. You're, the strength of your connection with God will determine your perspective and your peace. Uh, prayer isn't all about getting things from God, right? Or, or telling him uh, things, even uh, talking him into things, right? We treat prayer a lot like a vending machine a lot of times. Prayer isn't about getting things from God, it's about connecting with God. It's about getting in tune with, with his will. It's about opening our spiritual eyes so we can see how things really are, knowing that he has everything under control and we can trust him. Maybe, um, maybe you've been feeling surrounded. Maybe you came in here today and kind of weighed down and, and feeling surrounded by whatever. I think maybe we just need some time today to reconnect. 
Because that's really the, the essence of this. Elisha prays that, that, uh, that, that his servant's eyes would be opened. Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. We've got to reconnect with God so that we can have our eyes open, so that we can look at things from his perspective, not our own. So that his peace can flood in, even if everything does go sideways and, and our worst fears are realized, we can still trust that God is God. It may look like you're surrounded, but look again. God is surrounding you and the problems that you're facing. Lord, I pray that today, in this moment, this afternoon, tonight, this week, as we walk through times when when we're not maybe feeling it, that you'll remind us that you are greater, that we can trust you, that you have everything under control, that even if it doesn't look that way and even if it doesn't turn out the way we think it should, we can trust you and we can put our hope in you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would, would, would lead the way, that you would uh, fill us fresh and new, that, that we can represent you well in the world where we live, but that we would also recognize that in those, in those quiet moments, in those times when it looks like things are overwhelming, that you would flood us with your peace, the peace that passes all understanding, that you would guard our hearts and our minds, that we can know that we are surrounded by you and that you are with us. Father God, thank you for your presence here with us today. And I pray that as we go from here, you will empower us uh, to be your people uh, when, when we live our lives uh, away from this place. Lord, we love you and we, uh, we thank you for going with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.